Family's a lot here. Just like when I, back home, my family was a lot. I had like 400 people in one county. The county was one-third this size. But Jesus allows neither his family nor his mother and brothers to take priority over the new society he has formed. See, as the gospel changes our lives, it also changes our priorities a little bit. So for, for normal people, for normal Christians even, our priorities go something like God, family, job, friends, school. We think God is good enough. That if I just worship God, that's good. But the disciples here said, the apostles said, God, God's people. And when we incorporate in God's people, that doesn't mean neglect your family. But my, because my responsibility as a pastor, my responsibility as a kahu is not first to you. It's God's family that he has given me naturally, the physical birth. So my wife and my son, because they are still part of God's family, and then us, and then finally the rest of my family, the people that don't know Christ. That's hard because we live in a society that loves family. They idolize our family. Your, family, your bloodline is sometimes still your importance here. I, I come from this bloodline. And it's viewed as important. But not, only does he, but not only does he change those type of priorities, listen to this. Because this one, this one will get you going right here. He also sees the crowd again as an obstacle. How many pastors say that? For me to pastor well, the crowd was an obstacle. Nobody. Our goal in life should not be to have the most followers on Instagram or on Twitter. It's not to be the most retweeted person or have the best catchphrase. It is to be in, in relation to God and the people God called us to be with. What are the greatest commandments? Love your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Love the people God has placed in your life and love God. Listen to this. This is a little wordy. The very ambiguity of Mark's wording the family, is a calculated reminder that those closest to Jesus may indeed oppose him, and that proximity to Jesus, even blood relationships, or being called by, called by Jesus is no substitute for allegiance to Jesus in faith and following. There's no substitute. So my faith cannot save my son. No relation to Jesus except for a direct relation, can save you. It's a, it's a life of pursuing him, a perseverance. Once God calls you, you will persevere. See, American Christianity, the reason this is hard, because American Christianity has swayed our view of Christianity. Most of the time we believe it's about having the most stuff. Successful churches have the, most, the biggest buildings, that's the pastors that are successful. They have the most services. 
They have the biggest staff, the most people, the most baptisms or the professions of faith. But this does not always equal success. This doesn't always equal success. See, the crowds were in his way. There's no, no pastor's going to say nowadays, oh, the, past, the crowds are too many, too great. There's very few that will say, go away. I've heard a couple pastors talk about preaching specific sermons to turn, turn people away. But that's few and far between. Because the real importance is being a follower of Christ. It's not about the profession. It's not, it's not about the baptism. But it's the constant living out of being closer to Christ. So listen to this before I... As I wrap up today, there's a quote I want you to hear. A couple quotes. David Platt says this. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. So what does that mean? There's people in your life as Christians. There's people in each of your lives that's going to die and go to hell. And as a Christian, as a saved person, we owe the gospel to that person. Just as the apostles, these 12 men gave their lives to give us the gospel. We owe the gospel to Hilo. We owe the gospel to Japan. We owe the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's why missions is so important to us. And lastly, the Christian who truly, who is truly intimate with Jesus will never draw attention to himself, but only show evidence of a life where Jesus is complete control. So as we wrap up today, where are we at in this walk? There's a couple, like Jacob. Jacob's probably on the radical side of the story. Jacob moved from Tennessee, which people told him he was crazy for doing. But where are we at? Are we still in the disciple phase where we just want to be followers? We don't want to take responsibilities. We just want to lead ourselves, if even that. Or are we... Are we empowering ourselves to do the mission? Are we longing to see Hilo and our friends and our family come to faith in Jesus Christ? Are we longing for that 1% of Hilo to come to Jesus? Because we owe it to them. It's not my friends. I'm responsible for my friends. But you have friends. You have family here. So why are we content just being okay with being a follower and not sharing the gospel with them? Why are we okay with just being okay and not changing our lives? Because you might be their only instance of hearing the gospel. So as we pray, I want us to think about a couple of things of how we're going to respond. 
First, I think prayer is important. I think we have to return to our praying culture. The ways we do that, I think 808 prayer, I think we've lost our way a little bit. I think we need to refocus that in our lives. To set your alarms for 808, to pray for Hilo. Pray for the 1%. Pray for your friends and family who will die and go to hell. And then secondly, this is what I want you to do. And you might not have it now, but I pray that the Holy Spirit pricks it on your heart this, this afternoon to write down a name of somebody that you know that doesn't know Christ. Write down a name of a friend, a family member, somebody, and pray intentionally for that person. Because the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. If they haven't heard the gospel yet, or if they haven't come to the gospel, and you're doing the same thing, let's change it up. Let's, let's pray intentionally for them. If you've been praying intentionally for them, pray harder. Pray more often. Pray that God would sovereignly place in your life a connection that you can share the gospel with them. Because God is the author and finisher of our faith. So in this moment, I just, I just want us to pray for that person right now. We can write their names down later. But on the count of three, just pray for that one person in your life that you know if they died this afternoon, they would spend eternally separated from a loving father. Father, Lord, the call you have placed on our lives is a serious call. Lord, the mission is still at hand. This is not a feel-good service, Lord. We are still your instruments to achieve your greatness, Lord. Lord, I know this sermon's harsh, but we have the joy of everlasting love and, and peace in our lives. If we know you, then we owe that to people that don't know you. We owe that love and joy to others around us. Lord, we owe that to family members. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for not living out our faith more often. But Lord, may this not be a time of joy. May this, I mean, may this not be a time of heartache. Yes, it is heartache, but let's, let's put that behind us and move forward. This is a time of celebration because you have won the victory. It's not just for me, but people around me that I don't even know. The people that you are drawing to yourself, Lord, may we get involved in that this morning, this afternoon, throughout this work week. 
May we get involved in your activity, but we got to know you first. We, we must be intimate with you. Lord, may you take this time and may you glorify your kingdom out of it. Lord, we love you and we thank you.